looking to step up to the microphone, where we step up for our faith in walking out God's commands and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Welcome everybody, this is our weekly Torah portion, Leviticus 6-8, through 8, Zav. This is recorded over a Zoom, so here we go. Alright, so um, who would like to lead us in uh, prayer? And shalom to any new folks we have here. Julia, lead us new. How are you doing, Julia? I don't know if you've been here before. I just didn't know it's you before. And um, 15204. Hi. I have not been here before. This is my first. I've actually just joined the group like four or five days ago. Okay, awesome. It's nice to meet you. Glad to have you. Thank you. All right. Um, Hello. Are you uh, new to this faith or anything, or are you just coming into it, or have you been in it for a while? Um, on and off, I guess. Um, my husband was the main studious person in the household, um, and with his passing, I've been trying to learn things myself, I guess, um, and I guess this is a great place to start. Yeah, awesome. Sorry to hear about your husband. Thank you. Let us know if you need anything, though. Um, any help on scripture or anything. Very open group to helping anybody. That's what we're here to do. So we're just a whole bunch of people that are trying to bring people to the faith and get them closer to their father and son. I sure will. I appreciate it because there's not very many um, people in the faith around me. They're all modern Christian people, and uh, I don't know how much backlash I've gotten um, since walking in the faith. Yeah, sadly it happens, but pray for them. You know, remember always that we were all there at some point in our time, and we have to try to help them the best way we can. Just mm -hmm. sow the seeds and then let the Father water them. And here we just sharpen our iron that way when we do go out, we can first. We can defend the word and rightly divide the word. Um, Melinda, another new person, Melinda. Am I saying that right? Shalom. Um, anyways, we're going to get started. Uh, Dustin, would you like to lead us in prayer? Oh, Lord. <laughs> you put me on the spot like that. A lot of people he do said that. surprise. <laughs> Oh, Michael yeah. Southern Baptist before. He liked calling out folks. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the way it was. I just called out everyone. <laughs> All right. Father Yah, we now come before your throne and we ask that you please help us to lead us in truth today. Please help us to retain all the knowledge that you intend for us to retain today. If there's Anybody that has any questions, please help them to get answered today. Father, we thank you for your Ruach. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your mercy and your grace. 
And we ask that you please continue to give these things to us and guide us in our paths as we seek to get closer to you. Father, we're thankful for this congregation. We're thankful for the fellowship and the love. And we ask that you please continue to draw us closer. Father, we love you and we ask these things in the mighty name of Yeshua HaMashiach. Amen. 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 All right, so we're going to trust something new tonight. Um, we're going to do a reading, a chapter, and we're going to take 10 minutes after that where everyone can kind of get their questions in, and then people can answer the best way fit. We'll go around and everyone taking turns answering. We'll try to keep, you know, not so lengthy, you know, and uh, the way we get other people in here able to talk. So, um, start off, we're in Leviticus, I think chapter six. Let me pull it up real quick. Poor fortune. Yeah, Leviticus six, starting, yeah, verse one, going through Leviticus eight, 36. So, I guess I'll pick up the first chapter and, um, and we'll get someone to get the second chapter. I mean, the second chapter, yeah, six, chapter seven, whatever. I'm going to be reading out the HCSB. All right. Is everybody ready? Good. I'm ready. Start. The Lord spoke to Moses. When someone sins and offends the Lord by deceiving his neighbor in regard to a deposit of security or a robbery or defrauds his neighbor or finds something lost and lies about it or swears falsely about any of the sinful things a person may do once he has sinned and acknowledged his guilt he must return what he stole or defrauded or the deposit entrusted to him or the lost item he found or anything else about value or anything else about it which he swore falsely he must make full restitution for it and add a fifth of its value to it he is to pay it to anyone else is which he swore falsely. He must make full restitution for it and add a fifth of its value to it. He is to pay it to its owner on the day it acknowledges his guilt. And then he must bring his restitution offering to the Lord an unblemished ram from the flock according to your assessment of its value and restitution offering it to the priest. In this way, the priest will make atonement on his behalf before the Lord, and he will be forgiven for anything he may have done to incur guilt. The Lord spoke to Moses, command Aaron and his sons, this is the law of the burnt offering. The burnt offering itself must remain on the altars, heareth all night until morning. While the fire of the altar is kept burning on it, the priest is to put on his linen robe, and linen on her garments, and he is to remove the ashes of the burnt offering the fire has consumed on the altar and place them beside the altar. Then he must take off the garments and put on other clothes and bring the ashes outside the camp to a ceremony clean place. And the fire on the altar is to keep kept to be kept burning. It must not go out. Every morning the priest will burn wood on the fire. He is to arrange the burnt offering on the fire and burn the fat portions from the fellowship offerings on it. 
fire must be kept burning on the altar continually and it must not go out now this is the law of the grain offering Aaron's sons will present it before the Lord in front of the altar the priest is to remove a handful of fine flour and olive oil from the grain offering with all the frankincense that is on the offering and the and burn its memorial portion on the altar as a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Aaron and his sons may eat the rest of it. It is to be eaten in the form of unleavened bread in a holy place. They are to eat it in the courtyard of the tent of meeting. It must not be baked with yeast. I have assigned it as their portion from my fire offerings. It is especially holy, like the sin offering, and the restitution offering any male among Aaron's descendants may eat it it is a permanent portion throughout your generations from the fire offerings to the Lord anything that touches the offering will become holy the offerings will become holy the Lord spoke to Moses this is the offering that Aaron and his sons must present to the Lord on the day that he is anointed two quarts of fine flour as a regular grain offering Half of it in the morning and half in the evening is prepared with oil on a griddle, and you you are to bring it well kneaded. Um, you must present it as a grain offering of baked pieces, as a pleasing aroma to the Lord. The priest, who is one of Aaron's sons and will be anointed to take his place and to prepare it, it must completely, I mean, be completely burned as a permanent portion of the for the Lord. Every grain offering for a priest will be a whole burnt offering. It is not to be eaten. The Lord spoke to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons that this is the law of the sin offering. This is the sin offering. It must most holy and must be slaughtered before the Lord at the place where the burnt offering is slaughtered. The priest who offers it as a sin offering is to eat it. It must be eaten in the holy place in the courtyard of the tent of meeting. Anything that touches its flesh will become holy. And if any of its blood splatters on a garment, then you must wash what garment in a, I mean, wash that garment in a holy place. A clay pot in which the sin offering is boiled must be broken. If it is boiled in a bronze vessel, it must be scored and rinse with water any male among the priests may eat it. it is especially holy but no sin offering may be eaten if the bloods if the blood has been brought into the tent of meeting to make atonement in the holy place it must be burned up okay who would like to bring something up first in here don't everybody speak at once micah sorry i'll go yeah go ahead dad i can't speak right my kids are acting insane that's all right. So what, what I'm gathering from that is that the sin offering that they pour the blood out. I, I was confused about some sin offering that they pour, pour the blood out. They, they could eat from one sin offering, but not the other one is what I'm guessing. At. Did anybody catch that? Go back and look. What was his question? It says that it, I think that the Levites could eat from one sin offering, but not the other. Did I, did I hear that right? Help me out, Mary. I'll, I'll be 100% honest with you. I'm trying to follow along in the Kumash, and it's got a whole lot of commentary. So I'm reading about the differences right now, like with the 
fats of the peace offerings, there's elevation offering, there's, it, but it does say that this verse says nothing about guilt or sin offerings, even though this law applies to them as well. So I'm, I'm, I'm actually just learning <laughs> while I'm trying. Right. To That's what we're here for. Right. Um, I see one sin offering to be eaten. So was there a grain offering also with the sin offering, but was called the sin offering? I was trying to listen along. I'm, I'm got something else going on. I can only look, I can't really look at it because it said they could eat a part of the sin offering. Right. My, my, and the Michael, Michael, can you put it back on the screen, Papa, the verses? I need to move up the... Um... It looks like they ate the grain offering. They... Um... First one, and then the second one would be the sin offering in the holy place. So, right, I was looking at the. Um, I think I was. I think I was looking at the restitution offering, because um, it says this. Uh, but I did notice that uh, Aaron, for Aaron's place among the, uh, as a noted anointed Cohen, will take Aaron's place. That grain offering is not to be eaten. That was to be entirely um, go up in smoke. So, so someone that was going to replace him. Yeah, that's the uh, okay. right. Okay. While we're waiting, do y'all want me to read the commentary that I have on it? Sure. Okay. Uh, and bear with me. This book is backwards. It's not like our normal book. So I'm just trying to trying to learn it, but it says the fats of the peace offerings notes that Torah mentions only peace offerings and says nothing about guilt or sin offerings, even though this law applies to them as well. The Torah prefers not to speak of offerings that come to atone for sins, better that such offerings not be necessary and that people bring offerings only in gratitude for their good fortune. Then it says on the meal offering that this passage adds several new laws to those of the meal offering which were given above in chapter two, the law of the meal offering. The word is a general term implying that the law in question applies to other subjects as well. Here it teaches that the oil and frankincense mentioned in verse eight with regard to Israelite offering must be included also in the meal offering of the Kohanim mentioned in verses 12 through 16, even though the service of priestly offerings differs from those of the Israelites. Did you don't figure out the answer to that question? Oh no, I, I think I just kind of read it on my. I don't have my glasses on. I was listening to it, and I'm starting to look it back, look back on it, and. Uh... All right, I'm gonna go back here. Sorry, I got so distracted about that. Do anybody else's Bible use Holocaust for sacrifice? Are you talking about the words? Yes, ma'am. It says, "Um, this is the Roy." I can't pronounce that word. Oh, the Holocaust. That is the Holocaust that stays on the altar blazing all night until morning and is consumed by the altar fire. But it's calling it a Holocaust. Are you sure it doesn't say Holocaust? It's H-O-L-O-C-A-U-S-T. That's Holocaust. <laughs> Wow. That's interesting. That is very interesting. Yeah. I think she, you read the New Testament Bible? 
Tammy, the New Jerusalem Complete Bible. Okay. What Bible did you say that was, Tammy? Jerusalem Bible. Jerusalem Bible. When was that? When was that thing uh, printed? Say again, brother. Uh, when was that? When was that printed? Printed? Does it say in the front? I'm just curious. Give me one minute. Kind of interesting. It says in uh, passage eight, it says the Lord spoke to Moses, command Aaron and his sons. This is the law of the burnt offering. The burnt offering itself must remain on the altars here all night until morning, while the fire on the altar is kept on um, burning on it. Why would they have to leave all night like that? You know? I, I can I can answer that. I mean, I think I can answer it. I can give you the commentary that the Kumash says, and it's very interesting. So it what says the, that. Go ahead. Okay. The Kumash, what's the difference between the Kumash and the um all the others? The Kumash is just the Torah. Like it literally is set up for Torah portions, but it has the rabbinic commentary. Okay. And and, and yeah, and the Hebrew. Uh I'll show y'all in a second. It's it's really interesting though, specifically on what you were just talking about. It says it's memorial portion. The three fingers full and the frankincense that are burned on the altar will be a source of merit so that God will recall the owner of the offering for good and as one who brought satisfaction to him. So I guess they leave it burning for the father so that he calls it good. They have commentary on the, the priest. Um, where it says in verse 10, it says, the priest is yeah. to put his linen robe and then um, linen, his linen robe and and undergarments, and he's to remove the ashes and the burnt offering, and he has consumed on the altar and place them beside the altar. I'm guessing this is because he's leaving the sanctuary, so he has to change his garments, correct? Um, yes, and I have commentary for that, too, if you want to hear it. Yeah. It says, uh, for verse 10, it shall not be baked leaven. Arben, Arbanel explains why the Kohanim may not let their own share become leaven. The next phrase of our verse states, I have presented it as their share from my fire offerings, which implies that a Kohen who eats it is like the altar, which provides atonement when offerings go up in smoke. Therefore, when Kohanim eat their part of the meal offering, they should maintain the restriction of the altar itself, just as leavened flour may not be consumed by the altar. It, so it doesn't speak about the garments, but it speaks about them. Um, there's a verse in Ezekiel. Hold on, I'm gonna find it real quick. I think I have it. It's Ezekiel 44, verse 19. I don't have my glasses on right now. It says, and when they go forth into the utter, it says utter court. It's outer court. This is in the morning. <laughs> it says, um, even into the court to the people, they shall put their garments wherein they they ministered and lay them in the holy chambers that they shall put on other garments so that they do not sanctify the people with their garments. Hmm. That's interesting. See, they have to take their garments off because they've been in the holy of holies you remember when the woman touched the fringes you know touched Yeshua's um seats yes and she was healed yeah it's kind of like that 
you're in the presence you're in the presence of the you know the you're you're in the presence of the father like you you're already immortal you know so you can't transfer That's that cool. what's that miss tammy um, sorry um, you're great breaking up oh um sorry they couldn't do sacrifice with the war garments on. They could only do sacrifices with the linen clothes on. And That's the reason right. why it burnt all night is so the fragrance of that sacrifice would ascend up to Abba. That's right. It was like a continual burning thing, smelling it. I guess kind of like our prayers. Our prayers go up and the singing, and it goes before him as the sweetest favor. I, I, I think this might be the same, you know, it goes for up above. It goes to him as a sweet savior. Has everybody looked into that? Like the millennial kingdom is like Ezekiel chapters 44 through 48. So, I'll find interesting. Um, Leviticus uh, six twenty six. The priest who offers it as a sin offering is to eat it. It must be eaten in the holy place. And, the meeting. and it goes on. Twenty seven says, anything that touches its flesh will become holy. And if any of its blood splatters on the garment, then he must wash the garment in a holy place. So if you touch it, you automatically become holy at that point. And I find it interesting considering that was a sound. You're breaking up real bad, Miss We can't hardly hear Y'all can't hear me? Justin. I can hear you. I I think. Justin. So can I, can everybody hear me or no? Yeah, okay, is it is Miss Tammy? Yeah, she's breaking up really bad. Okay. Wait, go ahead, go Mary. Get Mary. I think Janie had her head up, hand her, had her hand up for a while first. Let her go ahead. Okay. Sorry, I wasn't even looking at the screen. I was looking at the other screen. Go ahead, Janie. Um, I was just gonna make a comment about where the uh, where they were talking about um if they wore those garments in front of the people it would sanctify them i wonder if that means like those who were possibly in sin or anything like that maybe could possibly die from like being in that presence you know That's it. Yeah, it does actually bring up how like the um people with certain like defects and stuff cannot be in the holy place like that because i think they would actually die wouldn't they i'm not yeah. sure they would die but i know they couldn't be in there yeah. All right, Mary, go ahead. And then, Dad, and after that, I guess we'll move on to the next chapter. Tom says. Okay, so on the holy of holy things, I have a little commentary on this. And then it might, it might, it, it just makes me think about the meat and the dairy thing uh, as I'm reading this. So it says, whatever touches them shall become holy. If a food or vessel touches the meal offering in such a way that it can absorb its taste, that food or vessel must be treated according to the halakha stringency of the meal offering. 
For example, the food would have to be eaten within that time period and in the place where the meal offering must be eaten. This law is based on the principle that food or vessels can absorb particles of taste. Thus, for example, it is forbidden to cook meat in a dairy pot and, per and perived food cooked in that pot is generally treated as if it were dairy foods since it absorbs the, the dairy taste. That's crazy, y'all. Is that pretty much talking about like cross-contamination of food? Yes. Yes. And I think that, that goes law could just be pertaining to cross-contamination. Right. Maybe dairy, milk, and meat. Exactly. Interesting. Do you think maybe that's where a lot of um, Judaism gets the whole thought that you can't eat a cheeseburger, maybe? Yeah, I don't think that's the same thing because you're not cooking yeah. your cheese <laughs> with your meat. Yeah, not the, it's, it's not the same thing, but maybe it's kind of where they get that idea too, though. I think it's where they get that know. idea. Yeah, and 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 if yeah. you know, we all I think we're all aware that what they do is they just try to. That's why that like they're not even allowed to kill hogs or touch the carcass because that will prevent. So in the Jewish tradition, that will prevent them from ever like being tempted to even eat it. So if they're not allowed to hunt them, kill them, or even touch them, then they won't ever be tempted to eat it. So I think, and I think the whole law with eating cheese on your cheeseburger is just to prevent any cross camera. Mm -hmm. I think there, it's just an extra law to prevent, you know, yeah, in this case, yeah. I know a kosher kitchen has three sets of dishes. Hmm. So they won't cross contaminate. You're, you're saying you instance. can't, you're saying, what you were saying is you can't cook the meat in the milk that the meat oh wait a second how am i how am i trying to word this you're saying don't that cook. it says don't cook a kid in its mother's milk yes gotcha i got you yeah you can't do that i know that and look and look what we get out of that can't eat no cheeseburgers y'all <laughs> <laughs> right sorry, yeah all right uh tabitha yeah side note on that um I did uh, for a while was um, when I was in the Torah movement, I did not mixing of milk and meat because I thought I was led way back then to not do that. Oh my gosh. I felt like I wanted to pull my hair out because it was so, so many rules. And so I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I was like, Abba, I can't do this. This is ridiculous. I'd have separate dishes, the separate everything. It was ex it's expensive. It's just, it was too much. And I said, I'm not doing this anymore. And then I stopped. <laughs> right. that, that's that extra yoga. Right. Is that burden so, that you laid on the fathers that they couldn't exactly. keep? Right, exactly. Yeah. There are exactly. traditions of men, traditions of men. That's what men had contrived out of the, you know, that's where they get pulled out of the scripture. And then oh, said, uh, and then said, you need to follow these. Uh, so Aaron said over here in the chat, Orthodox Jews practice the Karaite Jews, I believe how it says it, are okay with cheeseburgers. Um, Nehemiah Gordon is a Karaite, and he says that it's kosher for Torah. So he's saying that some, not all people in Judaism believe that, some believe that you can have uh, cheeseburgers. Yeah, that's correct. Right. I had the same conviction that she had about like all the busyness of trying to keep the dishes separate that's what how the conviction thing that fell over me when i was trying to do the whole like not cooking on shabbat 
that's literally how it happened to me because we were I was so burdened like trying to get everything done on Friday and the father was just like that's that's not what I meant <laughs> kind of thing to me so I feel like it's just all right guys we're gonna move on to the next chapter um because we got a lot to go through in this portion too still um is there anything else that's really important that anybody want to bring up in here before we move on speak now forever hold your peace um dustin you want to read the next chapter buddy it's calling you out tonight <laughs> apparently <laughs> um all right chapter seven and this is the torah of the guilt offering it is most set apart the guilt offering is slain in the place where they slay the ascending offering and its blood is sprinkled on the slaughter place all around then he brings from it all its fat the fat tail and the fat that covers the entrails and the two kidneys and the fat that is on them by the loins and the appendage on the liver which he removes with the kidneys and the priest shall burn them on the slaughter place as an offering made by fire to Yahweh. It is a guilt offering. Every male among the priests eats it. It is eaten in the set-apart place. It is most set-apart. The guilt offering is like the sin offering. There is one Torah for them both. The priest who makes atonement with it, it is his. And the priest who brings anyone's ascending offering the skin of the ascending offering which he has brought is the priest's it is his and every grain offering that is baked in the oven and all that is prepared in the stewing pot or on a griddle is the priest's who brings it it is his and every grain offering mixed with oil or dry is for all the sons of aaron for all alike and this is the torah of the slaughter of or slaughterings of peace offerings which is brought to yahuwah if he brings it for a thanksgiving then he shall bring with the slaughtering of thanksgiving unleavened cakes mixed with oil and unleavened thin cakes anointed with oil or cakes of finely blended flour mixed with oil besides the cakes he brings as an as his offering leavened bread together with the slaughtering of thanksgiving of his peace offerings and from it he shall bring one cake from each offering as a con contribution to Yahuwah, to the priest who sprinkles the blood of the peace offerings, it is his. As for the flesh of the slaughtering of his peace offerings for thanksgiving, it is eaten the same day it is offered. He does not leave any of it until morning. And if the slaughtering he brings is a vow or a voluntary offering, it is eaten the same day that he brings his slaughtering, and what is left of it is eaten the next day. But whatever is left of the flesh of the slaughtering on the third day is burned with fire. However, if any of the flesh of the slaughtering of his peace offerings is eaten at all on the third day, it is not accepted. It is not reckoned to him who brings it. It is unclean to him. And the being who eats of it bears his crookedness. And the flesh that touches that which is unclean is not eaten it is burned with fire and as for the clean flesh all who are clean eat of it but the being who eats the flesh of the slaughtering of peace offerings that belongs to yahuwah while he is unclean that being shall be cut off from his people and when a being who touches that which is unclean of the uncleanness of man or of the uncleanness of beast 
or of any unclean abomination and shall eat the flesh of the slaughtering of peace offerings that belongs to Yahuwah, that being shall be cut off from his people. And Yahuwah spoke to Moshe, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, Do not eat any fat of bull or sheep or goat. And the fat of a dead body and the fat of what is torn is used for any purpose, but you do not eat it at all. For whoever eats the fat of the beast of which man bring, men bring as an offering made by fire to Yahuwah, even the being who eats it shall be cut off from his people. And do not eat any blood in any of your dwellings of bird or of beast. Any being who eats any blood, even that being shall be cut off from his people. And Yahuwah spoke to Moshe, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, He who brings his slaughtering of peace offerings to Yahuwah brings his offering to Yahuwah from the slaughtering of his peace offering. With his own hands, he brings the offerings made by fire to Yahuwah. He brings the fat with the breast to be waved as a wave offering before Yahuwah. Uh, and, the, and the priest shall burn the fat on the slaughter place, but the breast shall be Aaron's and his son's. And the right thigh you give to the priest as a contribution from the slaughtering of your peace offerings. He among the sons of Aaron, who brings the blood of the peace offerings and the fat, the right thigh is for a portion. For the breast of the wave offering and the thigh of the contribution I have taken from the children of Israel from the slaughterings of their peace offerings, and I give them to Aaron, the priest, and to his sons as a law forever from the children of Israel. This is the anointed portion for Aaron and the anointed portion for his sons from the offerings made by fire to Yahuwah on the day when Moshe presented them to serve as priests to Yahuwah, which Yahuwah commanded to be given to them by the children of Israel on the day that he anointed them a law forever throughout your generations. This is the Torah of the ascending offering, of the grain offering, and of the sin offering, and of the guilt offering, and of ordinations, and of the slaughtering of peace offerings, which Yahuwah commanded Moshe on Mount Sinai on the day when he commanded the children of Israel to bring their offerings to Yahuwah in the wilderness of Sinai. Thank you, buddy. No problem. I want to go first on this one thing. So in 25, Leviticus 7.25 says, If anyone eats any animal fat from the fire offering presents to the Lord, first it must, be, it must be cut off from his people wherever you live. You must not eat the blood of any bird or animal, right? Um, Leviticus, I mean, so I went to the Strong's number for animal. Well, obviously, we know what bird. It's just a bird. And it's flying there. Um, animal is animals, animals, beast, beast, cattle, or cattle, herd, kinds of cattle, mount. What, what about fish? Well, most fish don't have that much fat that I know of. I'm talking about the blood, though. Oh. Uh, Just so you know, tilapia is almost all fat. Oh, yeah, it's oh, like trash it? fish. Yes. That's like trash oh. fish. <laughs> well... <laughs> It tastes good. Prove um, me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead there, Mary. That wasn't my intention. Most people don't realize that it's a fatty fish. That's the only reason uh, I thought of it. Here comes David, and he's going to answer that fish question there in a second. All right, go ahead, Mary. What's up, Actually, I, just, I just wanted to say uh, thanks be to Yeshua um, for 
uh, allowing us to not have to do this anymore because I'm very confused and I don't know what we were supposed to be doing. <laughs> <laughs> this is for the Levitical priest, babe. Oh, well, that's good. Then I don't have to worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he says he doesn't have to worry about it, but he is Jewish. So Randy was trying to get him to take a DNA test to find out if he was a Levitical. I was like, uh, no, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> David, I know you had your hand up. Yeah, I just, um, I don't really have an answer other than I know, depending on who you talk to in the Jewish community, like some consider fish flesh, others don't, like it's a weird gray area, so it depends on like the halakha that they place themselves under, and so most do qualify it as meat, but it's like meat slash gray area, like question mark, <laughs> so it's kind of a, a weird thing, but I would just say if you guys have, have ever been like, fishing, I don't know what the I don't know what the holocaust would be in terms of kosher slaughter, but as far as I understand it, with a fish is for quick and easy, pop the gills and flip them. That's that's as that's as quickly and as painless as, as I know how to possibly do it, and just uh, yeah, take your time. <laughs> yeah. I just that, that question came up because of our our conversation the other day. Whenever I was reading through that, I was like, well, it "Doesn't mention fish." But um, anyways, go ahead, Dad. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Like, same thing. You know, you don't have to worry about the blood of the fish because you're not you're not eating the blood of the fish. You know, you're just cutting off fillets and steaks or whatever. Um, as long as it's got fins and scales, you're good. There is a lot. There is still quite a bit of blood that comes out of fish, too, though. You know. Yeah, you're not drinking it. You know, and you're rinsing your meat off. <laughs> I know I'd want to rinse that off my my fish fillets. So, you know, I'm sure they. Uh, I'm sure they rinsed the blood off the fillets that that uh, Yeshua ate after he was resurrected. Yeah. When they broiled that fish, so. We're not, they're not broiling blood or anything. So I mean, I'm not saying I want to eat blood of the fish or nothing. I mean, by no means. So <laughs> let's get that straight. Just, just bring it. This thing is the same thing. It's like the life is in the blood. Yeah. When, you know, same thing with the fish. Yeah. But it's like you said, it's kind of hard to hard to tell. But that's all I got. Thank you. All right, Dustin. All right. Oh, yeah. So. Going with that, yeah, most of the time when you're filleting a fish, all right, so the way that I do it is head chopped off, and then you fillet, you know, your your cut. And majority of the time before it's ever eaten, it's it's rinsed off. So you're not yep. going to be eating any of the blood. Yep. So, because first of all, it's most fish that you deal with have some sort of sliminess to them. Mm -hmm. So you're going to want to rinse all that off of it. You know what I mean? So, yep. that's all. And that's I process. Not... That's how. That's how I process mine too. So, yeah. But, but and, and that comes down to that most people process the meat in a kosher way too. I mean, they drain the blood out. It's not like anybody likes like, oh yeah, I'm gonna keep this blood in here and eat it. But the heathens <laughs> yeah. did. Uh, apparently. <laughs> so. All right, David. I just had a curiosity, and it was kind of interesting because you brought up Jesus, you know, preparing the fish after his resurrection. What does a Jesus fresh fish fry look like, and how good does it taste? 
that's just my that's just my curiosity. You found that one there, right? We're gonna find that one though. Nope. Oh god, uh, I outskirts, hope so. The outskirts of heaven. I think it's a fish broil instead of fish fry. <laughs> <laughs> well, us southerners gonna show them how to do it then. Mama size <laughs> making it. I, I'm gonna be happy. She was gonna look at you. She was gonna look at you like, "Why are you? Why are you damaging that fish in oil? <laughs> what are you doing?" He's gonna eat. It. He's gonna. That's the best thing I've ever had. I'm anointing <laughs> it. Oh my god! Oh my god. <laughs> good one. Good one. I'm, I'm stopping it there. Oh, that was good. All right. That, yeah, he won. All right. Go ahead, Jenny. Oh gosh, I love that. That's the joke of the night. He anointed it. What was I going to say? It was about, oh, I wanted to ask because uh, Sydney and CJ were talking um, about like fishing. Um, so I know we had had a discussion and you said like you don't do recreational fishing anymore mm-hmm. out of conviction. But we were like talking and I'm like, well, what do you do? You catch an unclean fish. Well, in that case, you just throw it back and there's nothing to do about that. Okay. That's that. That's like an. That's like a kind of like um, just like an accident at that point, for me personally. You've ever fished in a pond? You gonna catch some catfish? Yeah, it's gonna happen. Some... Well, n- not exactly. If you're fishing for bass fish, you're gonna not, you're not gonna stay on the bottom. You know, at right. least for right. me, I stay more up, up top. So yep. most of the time, if you're if you're fishing bottom feeders, you're gonna catch bottom feeders. If you're not catching, mm-hmm. you're not sw- you're not trying to. I've never caught a catfish. I can't say I've ever caught a catfish, I believe, fishing for bass because the lures I eat thing. So, but catfish, fishing catfish, I have caught bass before just by accident. And that's usually not, not usually normal. That's usually for me reeling it in. They go after it at that point. So, go ahead, Tabitha. I was really enjoying this fish because I really love fish. So, <laughs> sounds amazing right now. Okay. Um, I was going to talk about the thigh, the right thigh. Where it says, mm-hmm. descendants of Aaron, who offers the blood of peace offerings, is to have right thigh as a share, which is interesting because the right thigh, which of Abraham touched, mm, yeah. and then also um, the angel, Jacob, touched right thigh. I don't know what's up with the right thigh, but just find it very fascinating. Something obviously is, but. You got some commentary on that, Mary? On the right thigh. What verse was that? Isn't it? Isn't that the same thigh too that Jesus has? It says in Revelations like that. He it's like a tattoo or something. Like the name written. I believe. Oh, I think the maybe. sash over his right thigh. Yeah, yeah. maybe. <laughs> what verse? It's, do you know what verse it is? Thirty-three. Mary. Jason. Thirty-three. Jason taught us this, Mary. So we might. We we might have something in our nose. Jason told us this. Why they put the hand there? You know, it's not it's not really. It's upper on the upper thigh. I don't know how to say it because you understand what I'm trying to say, Michael. Can y'all hear me? Yes, ma'am. 
I don't think I know. Okay, it's similar to how we do like a pledge, how we like put our hand over our heart. Is it similar to that? Maybe like a cultural. I wonder thing if it like is. That? Yeah. It's, making... it's the oath. It's oath. how they make oath. That's right. And, and seal the oath with the seed. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I have a little bit. I got commentary. <laughs> I was looking for it. This book is nothing but commentary almost. Okay. So. I'm going to start, I'm just going to read it and, and, and we'll get to the, the right thought in just a second, or I can read just the right thought part. If you want me to, I just thought those, okay. I'll just read the right, the right thought. It says the right thought, this gift to the Cohen is part of the right hind leg. According to Rashi, this is the middle one of the three limbs on the animal's hind leg. Rambine, however, rules according to the opinion that the I don't know what word that is, includes the upper two sections of the hind leg. Um, yeah, that, that's all it gives me on that, I think. Let's see. 32. I'm still trying to get used to this book, y'all. <laughs> Good. Daddy won't come in, too. Yeah. Did, uh, when Jacob wrestled with the angel, was he grab, did he grab his thigh? Right thigh. He grabbed his right thigh? Right socket. Yep, right socket thigh yeah and what what did mary just read she said something about transferring something oh um julia also has a uh, question here real quick i just want to answer the fast like y'all julia um so the fat right the entrails and all that so there's always gonna be fat and meat no matter what you eat there's always gonna be some sort of fat the fat is actually the meat's okay um, it's the fat on the outer side, like the fat, outer fat that's within, like, um, on the outer, like, part of the kidneys and outer part of the organs. There's the fat that people are not supposed to eat. But as far as fat in your meat, there's nothing wrong with fat in your meat. That just happens. And there's actually a good Zach Bauer. I can send you a video that he actually does. He breaks it down to a T um, from the ag side and does a really good job with it. Yeah, like Aaron said, the fat around the organs is full of toxins. Hmm. You remember ahead, when... Oh. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, um, you, you remember when um, the angel grabbed his thigh and somebody just said something about it being a blessing. And Jacob was like, I'm not going to leave here. You know, I'm not, I'm not letting let go until you bless me. You know, didn't Mary just read something about that? Yes, and I found the rest of it. I'm sorry, this book is very complicated. For I'm used to reading from right to left, and even though it reads, it's just I found the rest of it. <laughs> it's going to take me some getting used to. So it said, "The right thigh. This gift is." To the Kohen is part of the right hind leg. According to Rashi, this is the middle one of the three limbs on the animal's hind leg. Ramban, however, rules according to the opinion that the, whatever that word is, includes the upper two sections of the hind leg. The breast of the waving and the thigh of the raising up. Both organs are waved and raised together, but scripture always associates the breast only with the waving and the thigh only with the raising. So Ramban suggests that the use of these terms once for the breast and the other for the thigh 
derives from the days when the tabernacle was inaugurated in Exodus 29, 22 through 25. A unique feature of the inauguration service was that the thigh was not a gift to the Kohen, but went up in smoke on the altar. The thigh was called a terumah because it was separated and raised up from the rest of the offering, like the terumah that is separated from crops. On the other hand, the breast of the inauguration offering was waved and given to Moses, who served as Kohen Haggadah for, the, for that service. The privilege of the Kohanim to receive the thigh and breast of future offerings was an outcome of the inauguration which consecrated them as well as the tabernacle. Therefore, the Torah retained the nominal association of waving with the breast and raising with the thigh. That seems symbolic in a way or something. Yeah, maybe for the peace, peace offering. As it states. Sorry, I didn't see. Go ahead, Rinda. Rinda, you there? All right. Anybody else have anything they want to add in here? Okay, you guys there? Can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. I'm so sorry I couldn't find you. I just wanted to add that I believe that the right thigh is a representation of also the word lion. And I don't know what the connection is exactly. I haven't studied it out enough. But it's something to do with the representation of lion. Interesting. I've never heard that before. Go ahead, Miss Tammy. It's loins. It's it's his loins. Can y'all hear me? We heard you say the loins. Yeah, it's him representing of his loins. Okay, what did what did the father bless on Jacob? He blessed his seed. Where is a man's seed at? This mm. oak was not only between the persons that was making it, but the oath was almost oath he swore on his generations. That makes a lot of sense, actually, right there. That makes a lot of sense. I have never heard that before, but that definitely makes sense. All right. Um, I guess we're going to go to the next chapter. Anybody... Anything else anybody wants to bring up before I move on? Nope. Okay. Mary, do you want to read the next one? Chapter 8? Sure, but I'm not going to try to read it in this book. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be confused. This is going to take me some, some time to get used to that. Chapter 8. And Yahuwah spoke unto El Moshe, saying, Take Aaron and his sons with him, and the garments and the anointing oil, and the bullet for the sin offering, and two rams, and a basket of matzah, and gather all the assembly together unto the door of the tabernacle of the assembly. And Moshe did as Yahuwah commanded him, and the assembly was gathered together unto the door of the tabernacle of the assembly. And Moshe said unto the, unto the assembly, This is the thing which Yahuwah commanded to be done. And Moshe brought Aaron and his sons and washed them with water. And he put upon him the coat and girded him with the belt and clothed them with the robe and put the ephod upon him. And he girded him with the belt of the ephod and bound it unto him wherewith therewith. And he put the breastplate upon him and he put in the breastplate, the urim and the tumum. And he put the turban upon his head, also upon the turban, even upon his forefront. Did he put the golden plate, the holy crown as Yahuwah commanded Moshe. And Moshe took the anointing oil and anointed the tabernacle and all that was therein and sanctified them. 
And he sprinkled thereof upon the altar seven times and anointed the altar and all his vessels, both the laver and his foot to sanctify them. And he poured of the anointing oil upon Aaron's head and anointed him to sanctify him. And Mose brought Aaron's son and put coats upon them and girded them with belts and put bonnets upon them as Yahuwah commanded Moshe. And he brought the bullock for the sin offering and Aaron and his sons laid their hands upon the head of the bullock for the sin offering. And he slew it. And Moshe took the blood and put it upon the horns of the altar round about with his finger and purified the altar and poured the blood at the bottom of the altar and sanctified it to make reconciliation upon it. And he took all the fat that was upon the inwards and the call above the liver and the two kidneys and their fat and Moshe burned it upon the altar. But the bullet and his hide, his flesh and his dung, he burnt with fire without the camp as Yahuwah commanded Moshe. And he brought the ram for the ascending smoke offering and Aaron and his sons laid their hands upon the head of the ram and he killed it. And Moshe sprinkled the blood upon the altar round about. And he cut the ram into pieces, and Moshe burnt the head and the pieces and the fat. And he washed the inwards and the legs in water. Moshe burnt the whole ram upon the altar. It was an ascending smoke sacrifice for a sweet savor and an offering made by fire unto Yahuwah, as Yahuwah commanded Moshe. And he brought the other ram, the ram of consecration, and Aaron and his sons laid their hands upon the head of the ram, and he slew it. And Moshe took of the blood of it and put it on the upon the tip of Aaron's right ear and upon the thumb of his right hand and upon the great toe of his right foot. And he brought Aaron's sons and Moshe put the blood upon the tip of the right ear and upon the thumbs of their right hand and upon the great toes of their right feet. And Moshe sprinkled the blood upon the altar round about. And he took the fat and the rump and all the fat that was upon the inwards and the call above the liver and the two kidneys and their fat and the right shoulder and out of the basket of matzah that was before Yahuwah, he took one matzah cake and a cake of oiled bread and one wafer and put them on the fat and upon the right shoulder and he put all up upon aaron's hands and upon his son's hands and waved them for a wave offering before Yahuwah. and moshe took them from off their hands and burnt them on the altar upon the ascending smoke offering they were consecrations for a sweet savor and it's an it is an offering made by fire unto Yahuwah. And Moshe took the breast and waved it for a wave offering before Yahuwah. For the ram of consecration, it was Moshe's part, as Yahuwah commanded Moshe. And Moshe took of the anointing oil and of the blood which was upon the altar and sprinkled it upon Aaron and his garments and upon his sons and upon his son's garments with him and sanctified Aaron and his garments and his sons and his son's garments with him. And Moshe said unto El Aaron and to his sons, boil the flesh at the door of the tabernacle of the assembly and there eat it with the bread that is in the basket of consecrations. As I commanded, saying Aaron and his sons shall eat it. And that which remains of the flesh and of the bread shall ye burn with fire. And ye shall not go out of the door of the tabernacle of the assembly in seven days until the days of your consecration be at end. For seven days shall he consecrate you as he has done this day. So Yahuwah commanded to do, to make an atonement for you. Therefore shall you abide at the door of the tabernacle of the assembly day and night, seven days, and guard the watch of Yahuwah that ye die not, for so I am commanded. So Aaron and his sons did all the things which Yahuwah commanded by the hand of Moshe. So they had to stand on the door for seven days, huh? Yep. 
Why wasn't there the P? Uh, yeah, they, <laughs> they, 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 they the door? I don't know. Like, do they have a spot? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just thinking of logical things here. Did they not yeah. have to use the bathroom that time? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'll see if I can asking for water. Excuse me, Claude. I need to go outside water. just for a second. Um, I'll be right back. Mary, can you read again where it was talking about where the oil was placed on like, I know it was like their ear and toe. I believe that's blood. Uh, yeah. That was blood. Let me see. Um, I know there's one part, I think when they're like, was it consecrating or whatever, the priest, they put oil, I think, in this, those same spots. Right back, you moderate for a second there, Jane. Okay, it's it's blood right. and oil, and it, it says, And Moshe took the anointing oil and of the blood which was upon the altar and sprinkled it upon Aaron and his garments and upon his sons and upon his son's garments with him and sanctified Aaron and his garments and his sons and his son's garments. But he, there's a different part. We're talking about where he put it on, on their toe? Yeah, it's like... Okay, so on their toe and i think it's one of their ears or something too right right it says uh moshe took the blood of it so this is just the blood okay he took the blood of the ram and he put it upon aaron's right ear and upon the thumb of his right hand and upon the great toe i'm assuming that's his big toe i could be wrong but his great toe of his right foot and he did the same thing uh to aaron's sons put it on their right ear and upon the thumbs of their right hands and upon the great toes of their right feet. What verses is that? That's 22, 23, 24. And yeah, 22, 23, and 24 of chapter eight. So it's interesting. The, the thumb and the big toe, like on a reflexology chart, um, correlate with your pituitary glands. And then I don't know who all can see this. But these are all the spots. <laughs> like every part of your body is connected to different reflexes in your ear. <laughs> wow. And I have a, um, one of my friends, um, she has a PowerPoint presentation for oils of the Bible that would go probably really well with Leviticus, if anybody. I have some, I have some commentary about the ear and the foot and the toe and stuff. No, oh, yeah. It's on the right side too. Yeah. Right. Right. So it says the ram was a peace offering. Its service completed the process by which the Kohanim were consecrated for their role. Ramban explains the function of the three inauguration offerings and the process shows why only the peace offering ram is called the inauguration lamb. And uh, so although this ritual is a scriptural decree, it has a homiletic lesson that applies to everyone. The blood upon like the and like yes. the blood upon the ear symbolizes that the Kohanim should always uh, listen to, to obey God's commands. That, it's like the no, no, Mike, Kush, Kush, Mickey Mike, Papa. Thank you. I don't think he can hear us. Kush, can Thank you mute your mic, please? I don't know if Micah can. I think he's busy. Okay. Micah so the, can, but he's but he busy, stepped yeah. away. <laughs> so the blood on the ear uh, was a, symbolizes that 
they should always listen and obey God's commands. The hand is the organ that grasps things and that is active. So the blood upon the thumb symbolizes that the Kohanim should actively carry out his will. And the foot is the organ of movement. So the blood on the big toe symbolizes that the Kohanim should always move with alacrity to serve God. That is so That's interesting. awesome. Yeah. Kind of like the symbolic of like him taking the rib to create the woman kind of concept. Like right. instead of a piece of his head or his foot or anything like that, it's something from his side. Was that the right side? Wonder. Oh, yeah, I wonder. <laughs> what did you need me to do? I'm going to assume it was. Kush needed to be muted. I think he already did it, though. Okay. I'm reading out of the Kumash. I don't know if you can see it. Uh, turn off my background thing. Let me see. Let me figure out how to do this. Background filters, none. Okay. I'm reading out of... Is it backwards for y'all? It's backwards for me anyway, so don't feel bad. <laughs> I see it. And so it has the Hebrew, and then it has your scripture is just, oh my gosh, watch this. there we go. The scripture is just at the top, and then all at the bottom is the commentary. Does it keep saying Rambam? Rambam? Rambam, yeah. That's a, a that's a rabbi. Why? I'm just I'm just curious. I want to I want to investigate him. It says, yeah. It says bullock too. It's been a bull. Right. I mean it. Okay. So it has more than just one uh, rabbi that speaks in here. It gives uh, several several different ones. So you have Rashi, uh, Rambam. Uh, there is, according to S-A-A-D-I-A-H, Sadia Gaon. So I, it's got several different um, rabbis commentaries in here. So it's, I, I mean, when I read it, just uh, chew up the meat and spit out the bones. Um, it is not scripture, but it is commentary. So like, like about this ear, the blood on the ear and the, that was pretty good stuff that makes sense to me like but it's it might not all make sense or might not all be legit because it's not scripture but it is some of it's pretty good commentary 10-4 and brother um jimmy can y'all hear me my phone i don't know what's wrong with my signal yeah we can hear you now yeah it's it not out. the bible that we was talking about. yeah go ahead, go ahead. The Bible we was with the Bible we was talking about earlier, oh. it's written by um twenty-seven Orthodox Jews. And it was written when they came over here and reestablished in New York. So it's it probably, was written it's for Jewish library. More towards the Masoretic, right? Masoretic text. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna go down this list. Let me see who we got. Tabitha. Tabitha. Oh, she's breaking out the words. What did she say? I said, Tabitha, I choose you. All right. On chapter nine. Okay. On the eighth day, Moshe called Aaron, his sons and leaders of Israel, and said to Aaron, take a male calf for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering, both without defect. 
and offer them before Adonai. Then tell the people of Israel, take a male goat for a sin offering and a calf and a lamb, both a year old and without defect for a burnt offering and an ox and a ram for peace offerings to sacrifice before Adonai. Also a grain offering mixed with olive oil because today Adonai is going to hear to you. They brought what Moshe had ordered before the tent of meeting and the whole community approached and stood before Adonai. Moshe said, this is what Adonai has ordered you to do so that the glory of the Adonai will appear to you. Moshe told Aaron, approach the altar, offer your sin offering and burnt offering and make atonement for yourself and the people. Then present the offering of the people and make atonement for them as Adonai ordered. So Aaron approached the altar and slaughtered the calf of the sin offering, which was for himself. The sons of Aaron presented the blood to him and he dipped his finger in the blood and put it on the horns of the altar. Then he poured out the blood at the base of the altar. But the fat and the kidneys and the coverings of the liver of the sin offering, he made go up in smoke in the, on the altar as Adonai had ordered Moshe. The meat and skin were burnt up completely outside the camp. Next, he slaughtered the burnt offering. Aaron's sons brought him the blood and he splashed it against all sides of the altar. They brought him the burnt offering piece by piece in the head and he made them go out in smoke on the altar. He washed the inner organs and the lower parts of the legs and made them go up in smoke on top of the burnt offering on the altar. Then the people's offering was presented. He took the goat of the sin offering, which was for the people, slaughtered it and offered it as for sin, like the earlier sin offering. The burnt offering was presented and he offered it to the, and, sorry, my cat. And he offered it in the prescribed manner. The grain offering was presented. He took a handful of it and made it go up in smoke on the altar, in addition to the morning's burnt offering. He slaughtered the ox and the ram the people sacrificed his peace offerings. Aaron's sons brought him the blood, which he splashed against all sides of the altar, and the fat of the ox and of the ram, the tail fat and the fat which covers the inner organs, the kidneys and the covering of the liver. They put the fat on the breast and he made the fat go up in smoke on the altar. The breast and the right thigh Aaron waved as a wave offering before Adonai as Moshe had ordered. Aaron raised his hands toward the people, blessed them, and came down from, from offering the sin offering, the burnt offering, and the peace offerings. Moshe and Aaron entered the tent meeting, came out, and blessed the people. Then the glory of Adonai appeared to all the people. Fire came forth from the presence of Adonai, consuming the burning offering and fat on the altar. When all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. What did you say, Michael? I said that they praised him when he... Made the offering you don't see that nowadays and then uh at the end it says when when all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their face that's right they praised they praised them to the fullest hallelujah and that you know and that's the cool thing about when the millennial rain happens we're going to get to see this again i can see all this again and i look forward to it Still look forward to it. Go ahead, Mary. That's how, that's how merciful God is. How merciful Yahweh is that people who have been taught as Matthew or Isaiah 2 3 and Micah 4 2 that they'll want to go up to the mountain of the house of the Lord and be taught by the Lord Himself. And so He's still merciful. 
you know it's just so it's so awesome yes, so awesome. go ahead mary does anyone know why god chose a young bull for the sin offering yeah i've wondered then i wonder why a female a female lamb too okay well for the young bull god chose a bull for aaron's sin offering to show that by offering this animal aaron would be forgiven for his role in the sin of the golden calf situation oh, okay that's so maybe because that. they sinned because they were bullheaded mm. oh, oh. <laughs> you, made, uh, you brought a pun there huh i like what you did there I mean, Max referred to us as a bunch of asses, so I can refer to us as a bunch of bulls. <laughs> yep. Wild asses. Yeah, it's um. I've wondered why a lamb, right, uh, a female lamb and not a male. And I've wondered that too. And then people say that you shoot with the perfect lamb. Well, he wasn't a female. I, I made that connection not long. I made that um, connection not long after coming to Torah when I was reading through Leviticus. I was mm -hmm. like, he doesn't match the specification for a sin offering. <laughs> Does it say it's a female boat or female yeah. name? I, I was looking it up when we were doing our last reading last chapter. I was, that's why I found the sin offering. It's a female lamb. I'll pull it up. I think it was in Leviticus 4 because it piqued my interest. Because I will say, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't raise my hand. I was being a trash panda, but um, I was gonna say a female would have been a bigger sacrifice than a male, anyways, mm -hmm. as far as like livestock goes. Um, just as a point of, that's true. Different point of view, because um, that would have made you like realize the gravity of your sin more because. Think about how how much of a sacrifice it is to give up a female, because they're the only ones who can bring life to your flock. Isn't that crazy that in um, biblical times they were so they're like, wow, I was blessed with a male, like a male son. I was blessed with a male son. You know, they're always so excited about a male son, but then they were thankful to have female. That was a blessing to have a female um, goat or wherever you may have it because it was so valuable. Can't have males without the females. Yep. <laughs> I mean, if you look at like just livestock in general, even now, like, I mean, me and you are about to get goats or uh, goats, and you know, we wanted a female more than a male, anyways, because they produce milk and more babies. Yep. Go ahead, Miss Tammy. Uh, a question going back to the calf. Why was why did they make a golden calf? Why wasn't it a goat? Why wasn't it some other animal? Why was it a calf? I think it's because they were worshiping in Egypt was the calf a lot of times. And Moloch, you know, certain things. So that's the way I look at it. I could be wrong. Well, wasn't the god Baal um, a cow represented by a cow? If you look up in Hebrew, if you look up in the Hebrew original language, the first letter looks like a cow head. Yep. Alpha. I have a, I have a different take on that. Um, all right. All these sin offerings and guilt offerings and grain offerings and peace offerings and, you know, 
they were doing this before the law of Moses came along. So are they, is it because, you know, Aaron made the golden calf because they were already doing that. Adam was doing it. Enoch, Noah, you know, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they were doing it well before Noah. I mean, well before Moses came along, they were still offering the, the, uh, maybe, you know, I don't, I don't know if it's God knew he was going to use a calf or whatever, but I just pointed out that they were already doing these offerings before, you know, the law of Moses was even wrote or God gave it to Moses. We see that. That's why I think the golden calf incident was more related to the, the alpha, like the Hebrew language. Because they they were like, make for us gods, you know, and even Aaron kept saying, like, these are the gods who took you out of Egypt. Like, it's only been 40 days. They didn't forget who took them out of Egypt. Right. For real. Like, come on. But then again, think about it in a sense, like, okay, whenever you are in a situation, say something traumatic, traumatic happens to you. The farther and further you get away, the more and more the emotion goes away, the more and more um, that feeling goes away, the more and more the realness goes away from you. That what actually happened. Yeah, but in 40 days, and they just watched Moses split the sea open and all this stuff he did in Egypt. And I can say know. the day, the day I almost killed that girl. 40 mm-hmm. days later, I, I felt like a whole different person versus that day when I wanted to die. You know. I'm just saying that you feel you feel your your feelings change. So and maybe they thought that he wasn't coming back. Maybe that something happened to him. And they're like, Well, we're done for. Um, it was all a hoax. We had belief and now we're in trouble. I don't know, maybe. I mean, I think that they thought they you know, that he had died and they were alone and they were using what they what was recent in their mind that they were familiar with a graven image you know like they that's literally what they came out of is watching people use graven images to represent their god yeah and so they were like let's make a graven image of you know like a representation something they could think of to represent yahweh they have people do that today yeah they have to have have to have something in the physical nature because they grew up, okay, it was, um, I'm not, I'm not calling it Catholics or kind of put Catholics down or nothing right here, but in the Catholics, um, they it's idolatry. have, huh? That's idolatry. You can call it what it, what it is. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be rude though. No, I'm not. Um, Thanks, but Catholics would have certain things that they would worship that they would have to have physical and that's what they knew. Right. So say someone comes into Torah observance straight out of Catholicism. They might still hold on to some of those things that they had before, not knowing, you know, kind of in the same sense. Isn't it interesting yeah. that in the council of like an acts, like the first things that they advise them to do is shake off the pagan things, the pagan behaviors. Cause yeah. it goes right back to, you know, to Mount Sinai. Like you have to shake off the old, you have to put on the new garments. And those yes. are things like setting aside, you know, what you thought was right. Yeah, but we'll right. want a new wineskins. Exactly. They'll burst. That's that a really good point. 
because uh, I think about like the mixed multitude. It was a mixed multitude that came out of Egypt. Yeah. So we're talking about Egyptians. We're talking about a whole bunch of mixed multitude came out. Yeah, because so, Egypt was like a trading post. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of have a, a lot of pity for the Israelites because they were in slavery. And that's all they knew was bondage and oppression and abuse. Coming from a abuser, from a from being abused myself, um, I, I see where they, you know, I see a pity on the Israelites because of that. You know, I, I think mostly with, with Mount Sinai, they came down because they, uh, they probably lost hope, like you were saying, you know, they lost hope and they didn't know where else to go. And so they just joined along with whoever wanted to make that calf. Yeah, so. it's sad. It really is. Yeah. I had, a too. I had a youth pastor at the church that we were at. Um, he taught a sermon um, to the adults one day. When it was, they were actually having some Saturday services because it was such a large congregation. And uh, we went and he got to preach. And he was saying that his students would ask him if they, you know, if he recommended them, like, just drop all their old friends when they got saved or if you know or if they should date someone who wasn't of the faith and he advised them he was like i don't think you should just have to like cut people out of your life he's like but i will warn you he was like you have an old nature and a new nature all they have is what they know and it's a lot easier for them to pull you back down to where you came from than it is for you to pull them up to where you where you gotten to and i think that's Good like point. amazing advice mm -hmm. just like a, just like a muscle memory yeah when you go back to the gym i have to catch myself sometimes man working around a whole bunch of rough dudes that's where i came i was like them and i'm like i got like sometimes you start falling back and you gotta be careful not to do that you want to yeah. joke around with them and get in there with them because i'm like man like your flesh is like man i want to say something because that was you know you're just in the moment but mm -hmm. you gotta remember, like, can't be that person I used to be. I got, I got put on a different uh, set apart. Yeah. So the raunchy jokes, the cussing, all that stuff. Is, yeah. I, I'm the Sometimes, same way. Like when I get back around my own family, it's hard. It's so hard. Because... Like I catch myself like even laughing sometimes because what they just said was hilarious. Mm -hmm. and I try not to laugh, yeah. like, but it's just like I came out of that. Like, like it's still in me somewhat. Well, it's the flesh. We can't take this off yet. That's right. That's, That's right. right. Go ahead, Miss Tammy. Uh, I just wanted to bring up um, what I was talking about, um, leaving the pagan, you know, stuff in Egypt. And I wanted to bring up because it's coming up, you know, what is unleavened, the feast of unleavened four. You know, it was a symbolization symbol of to let them know leave the sin you know leave all the sin here don't take it with you and that's the same thing you we get from what she just said you know remove all the pagan things remove the world from you leave all the sin in egypt don't look back at egypt keep going forward but i just wanted to throw that in because the feast day is coming up Amen. Good. Ema good. Tammy. 
Hitting it again. Bring that wisdom. Alright guys, um, y'all ready to go to the next part of the portion? We didn't even have to read none actually. I'm just it was nice to read it though. I mean, we went out have this conversation we just had. So thank you for that. Alright. Let me pull up. So the next part of the Torah portion, we're gonna jump over to Jeremiah seven twenty one. And we're reading from seven twenty one to eight three. You may want to volunteer to read. If not, I'll read. I don't care. Did you say Jeremiah 21? Uh, yes, sir, I believe. Oh, no, Jeremiah 721, I'm sorry. Oh. 721 to Jeremiah 8.3. Part of the portion. Mary says she read. Okay, go ahead there, Mary. 21 to what? I got Jeremiah 7, verse 21 to what verse? Uh, 8, 3. Okay. Thus says Yahuwah Sabaoth of Elohai of Israel, Put your ascending smoke offerings unto your sacrifices and eat flesh. For I spoke not unto your fathers, nor commanded them in the day that I brought them out of the land of Mitzrayim, concerning ascending smoke offerings or sacrifices. But this thing commanded I them, saying, Obey my voice, and I will be your Elohim, and you shall be my people, and walk ye in all the ways that I have commanded you, that it may be well unto you. But they hearkened not, nor inclined their ear, but walked in the counsel and in the imagination of their evil heart, and went backward and not forward. Since the day that your fathers came forth out of the land of Mitzrayim unto this day, I have sent unto you all my servants, the prophets, daily rising up early and sending them. Yet they hearkened not unto me, nor inclined their ear, but hardened their neck. They did worse than their fathers. Therefore you shall speak all these words unto them, but they will not hearken to you. You shall also call unto them, but they will not answer you. But you shall say unto them, this is a nation that obeys not the voice of Yahuwah Elohim, nor receives correction. Truth is perished and is cut off from their mouth. Cut off your hair, O Yerushalayim, and cast it away, and take up lamentation on high places. For Yahuwah has rejected and forsaken the generation of his wrath. For the children of Yehuda have done evil in my sight, says Yahuwah, and they have set their abominations in the house, which is called by my name, to pollute it. And they have built the high places of Tepeth, which is in the valley of the son of Hinnom, to burn their sons and their daughters ooh, in the fire, which I commanded them not, neither came into it my heart. Therefore, behold, the days come, says Yahuwah, that it shall no more be called Tepeth, nor the valley of the son of Hinnom, but the valley of slaughter, for they shall bury in Tepeth till there be no place. And the carcasses of this people shall be meat for the fowls of the heavens and for the beasts of the earth, and none shall fray them away. Then will I cause to cease from the cities of Yehuda and from the streets of Jerusalem the voice of mirth and the voice of gladness, and the voice of the bridegroom, and the voice of the bride, for the land shall be desolate. Chapter 8. At that time, says Yahuwah, they shall bring out the bones of the kings of Yehuda, and the bones of his princes, and the bones of the priests, and the bones of the prophets, and the bones of the inhabitants of Jerusalem, out of their graves. And they shall spread them before the sun, and the moon, and all the hosts of heaven, whom they have loved, and whom they have served, and after whom they have walked, and whom they have sought, and whom they have worshipped. They shall not be gathered, nor be buried, 
they shall be for dung upon the face of the earth and the death shall be shall be chosen rather than life by all the rem remnant of them that remain of this evil family which remain in all the places whither i have driven them says yahuwah several moreover you shall say unto them thus says yahuwah shall they fall and not arise shall he turn away and not return why then is this people of jerusalem sliding back a perpetual backsliding they hold fast deceit they refuse to return I hearkened and heard, but they spoke not aright. No man repented of him of his wickedness, saying, What have I done? Everyone turned to his course as the horse rushes into the battle. Yeah, the stork in the heavens knows her appointed times, and the turtle and the crane and the swallow observe the time of their coming. But my people know not the judgment of Yahuwah. How do you say we're wise? And the Torah of Yahuwah is with us. Lo, certainly the lying pen of the scribes has made it a lie. The wise men are ashamed. They are dismayed and taken. Lo, they have rejected the word of Yahuwah and what wisdom is in them. How far do I read in Jeremiah 8? That, that was good, sister. Okay. okay. All right. So first off, I want to bring up something in Jeremiah 7, 23. Start there. and read for a second. It says, however, I did give them this command, obey me. And then I will be your God, and you will be my people. You must follow every way I commanded you, so that I may go well, may go well with you. Yet you did not listen or pay attention, but follow their own advice, and according to their own stubborn, evil heart, they went backward and not forward. Since that day, your ancestors came out of the land of Egypt until this day, and I have sent all my servants, the prophets, to you time and time again. However, they did not listen and pay attention but became obstinate and they did not moreover than their ancestors when you speak all these things to them will not listen to you and when you call them they will not answer you you must therefore declare to them this nation that would not listen to the voice of the lord god and will not accept this one truth and he perished and he disappeared from their mouths cut off their air your sacred vow I mean, your hair, I'm sorry, your hair and your sacred vow, and throw it away. Raise up your um, dirge and your barren, um, barren heights. And the Lord rejected the abandoned the generation under his wrath. Guys, he, he literally rejected a whole generation. A whole generation because they didn't listen to him or weren't obedient to him. How are we going to sit here in today's society and think that he won't do it again? It's the yep. sad truth. I mean, he literally just rejected them. Yep. He's gracious, but don't take his grace. It's just like a man that says he's nice, but don't take his nice his kindness for granted. Mm -hmm. We don't do that. Yeah. He will show his wrath if you keep messing with him. You keep pushing a man and keep pushing a man. You keep pushing God. You keep pushing God. He's gonna push back. So, well, we have that time. We have that grace remember that go ahead brother you talking to me yep all right so i also want to bring up um whenever like churchianity where they talk about uh replacement theology you know how um hey bro like, dustin what one thing careful to church anything man because there's a lot of people that come out of the church and just you know christ christianity or so you know, because there's still a lot of people. In, yeah, I'm trying to get people okay. away from that because that's it's hurt some people. You know, in the past. 
especially coming out of it. Not trying to like be mean or nothing like that. So <laughs> I got you. But okay, modern belief. I'll just say mm-hmm. that. Um, as far as like replacement theology that like the modern church or whatever has replaced uh Israel, which mm-hmm. we know is not true. Um, if you look if you look at the bare the just the foundation of what had caused the father to divorce them and compare that to some of the things that are going on in this day and age, do you think that he wouldn't, you know, hesitate to divorce them now based on what they're doing? If you compare and contrast like the things that he divorced Israel for in the beginning and then the church now, like I see a direct correlation and a direct causation for him to divorce uh, them now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to, I just wanted to. That's true. That. You're, you're so true, brother, that today that they're taking it for granted, you know, what they've been given and they're stomping on the, on the Messiah's blood and we don't need to do that. And I know mm-hmm. what you're saying, and, and a lot of it does a lot in the church. And I talked to a man the other day that he's still in the church, but he said that the church has done a really terrible job in spreading the gospel, and they have really profaned the word of God. So, yeah. and they and there's a lot of them coming out of it, and that's why I said be careful with the church and anything because there's a lot people coming out of it right now, man. They're they're trying they're trying to understand, and with a lot of new believers that are coming to Torah, that right there, you know, as soon as they hear that, because they want to hear a loving side. They want to hear someone that's going to accept them. You know, they're coming out of this, this, this dogmatic, you know, way of looking at things and the way that they've taught over the years, you know, they've taught them hyper grace and all these different theologies and that you got to do this, you got to do this and, you know, to be saved. And, and they always try to focus on when we saved. how about we focus on what the father wants from us versus about what we get out of it. So, Amen to that. But go ahead, Jenny. Um, so I just wanted to address uh, Dustin's comment about him divorcing Israel. So I know we like the analogy that is used there or the metaphor that's used there of, you know, like a husband and wife kind of thing. But we have to remember that we're not the bride, the New Jerusalem. And we're the wedding guests. And even Yeshua gives us a prime example when he talks about, you know, um, was it the parable of like the wedding guests where it talks about like the ones getting kicked out who don't have on the right clothes or the ones who like the, um, where the, the man invites people and then they don't come. And so he goes into the highways and byways and gets people who are willing to come. So, yeah. Yeah. I think that's a whole other side of the bride of Christ. There's some people that believe that the bride of Christ is us, and some people believe the bride of Christ to Yeshua is the actual New Jerusalem. So, I think that that would be a, like a whole other subject to study at that point, because some people take interpret it differently, and there's a lot of verses that you have to go over to figure out which way is which, and that's still a highly debated topic amongst most. Agreed. I'm still not even sure like, which one's brought yet. I just look at it like the, the New Jerusalem is the bride, right? The mm-hmm. And Yahweh is the father of that bride. And Yeshua is the groom for that mm-hmm. bride. And we're all the guests. And he's making sure that the guests are like up to par before they come to the, you know, to the marriage feast. 
I've actually taken, and that's the interpretation I've always had, but uh, Jason, last time I thought of him, he brought up some really good points about the Bride of Christ. Some things I've never looked at on that side. So I'm, that one's a, that's a deep subject right there. It is a very, very deep topic. Very yeah. deep topic. And I, I do disagree with you, Danny, but, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah. I still love you. <laughs> <laughs> love you. Dustin's like, I'm about to cut someone. <laughs> you can come cut no, me. Not. You can come cut me. It's okay. <laughs> no, nah, I ain't gonna cut nobody. <laughs> he said, I might not cut you, but I'll shoot you. Nah, I ain't gonna shoot nobody either. I'll warn you. I have <laughs> weapons as well. So I've showed you my weapons. You can come if you if you dare. <laughs> I ha- I haven't had the opportunity to show mine off yet. <laughs> I got a whole arsenal. I, I always say yet. <laughs> yet. Yes. All right. Uh is there anything y'all want to bring up any more in here in this text? I thought it was really good. I wrote that text right there. Tammy did bring up when we were talking earlier, Mary. Remember she brought up um the last part of that that you read in Jeremiah. Um oh my gosh, my brain just stopped. And I can't remember to recall the verse that you read about the um, lying scribes. Yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah. So I have a picture here of the, since we did go over in the Torah portion of the Levitical um, priest garments. Let's see if I have see if I can get my pants sit up straight. This book's kind of... Like the turban and the white. These are actually right here. Are breeches? They got breeches. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Thought that was pretty cool. That's so that their nakedness wouldn't be uncovered, right? Right. Sure, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's their undergarments. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, I guess the next part we got of the Torah portion is Jeremiah nine twenty two through twenty three. Jeremiah 9, what? Uh, 9, 22, and 23. I can read it. Uh-huh. I'm going to take the short one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Everyone's like, I'll read this one. All right, go ahead. Is it 22, 23, right? Yes, ma'am. Just let me know if my numbers are off because this one is numbered the way that a Jewish Bible is numbered. So, <laughs> okay. all right. Thus says Adonai, let not the wise boast in his wisdom, nor the mighty boast in his might, nor the rich glory in his riches. But let one who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows yeah. me, for I am. What? And that's off. Oh, mine goes down farther than that. <laughs> So my that would have been all 23 in mine. <laughs> oh, you started in 23. I'm sorry. I was in 22. Yeah, 22 and 23. So you want me to finish it? Go. You want to start in 22? I did. Oh, okay, okay. You're just, start, you're just like off a little bit. I'll go right here. 
speak as it follows this is the what this is what the lord says human corpse will fall like manure on the surface of the field like newly cut grain after the reaper with no one to gather it this is what the lord says the wise man must not boast in his wisdom the strong man must not boast in his strength the wealthy man must not boast in his wealth but the one who boasts should boast in this that the understands and knows me that i am yahweh showing faithful love justice and righteousness on earth for for i delight in these things this is the lord's declaration don't be prideful it's all about pride right there <laughs> so sorry y'all had to hear that i got our hands up no that's pretty cut and dry right there pretty cut and dry um the next part of this portion would be matthew 9 10 through 17. Can I read that one? I know my numbers are right in Matthew. <laughs> yes, by all means. I'm sorry, my Bible is wonky. I think Tabitha read one night and her Bible was like that too. She had hers, like hers went a lot longer than our chapters. Yeah, I have the complete Jewish Bible. Yep. So my, the chapters are longer. Yeah, that's, mine is, it explains it in the front. I have the Tree of Life and it explains in the front that they honor the jewish like way that like the way that my books are laid out are different too because they honor the way that the jewish people have it laid out and numbered so yeah well, aren't you starting uh matthew 9 9 9, nine. and then go to 17 gotcha sounds good as Yeshua was passing by from there he saw a man named matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth he said to him, follow me, and he got up and followed him. Now it happened that when Yeshua was reclining at the table in the house, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Yeshua and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does this teacher of yours eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard this, Yeshua said, those who are healthy have no need for a doctor, but those who are sick do. Now go and learn what this means mercy i desire and not sacrifice for i did not for i didn't come to call the righteous but the sinful then john's disciples came to him saying why do we why do we and the pharisees fast but your disciples do not fast and yeshua said to them the guests of the bridegroom cannot mourn while the bridegroom is with them can they but the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them and they and then they will fast and no one puts a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment for the patch pulls away from the garment and the worst and a worse tear happens nor do they put new wine into old wine skins otherwise the skins burst and the wine spills out and the skins are ruined but they put new wine into fresh wine skins and both are preserved huh. we we're just talking about this interesting right why in 14 did john's disciples came to him saying that like wouldn't john's disciples be on the same it's, it's interesting right there why do we have why do we and the pharisees fast often but your disciples do not fast it's interesting well isn't it um even yeshua's taught ones even the disciples uh had said some things concerning other people you know what I mean? Oh, when yeah. Yeshua they were had said, you know, 
them casting out demons in his name and yeah. he said they stopped him and he's like why so that that kind of makes me think that you know it was just a custom because if you if you think that um like most people have the belief that yeshua was a pharisee um maybe that's just what they did amongst the group you know you're listening to your rabbi and he's telling you these things and then you hear this other guy doing this stuff and it's like well he's doing stuff different you know what i mean mm -hmm. maybe it was just something they did like Almost like gossip, but not gossip. <laughs> it's because they're celebrating. Um, because he says, Jesus says to them, can the wedding guests be sad, be sad while the groom is with them? The time will come when the groom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. Because isn't yeah. fasting like a denying of the flesh and the sorrow more thing? Versus when you're at the wedding, if you're with the wedding guests or the wedding party, usually you're celebrating right yeah yeah wouldn't that kind of be the the thing here yeah like you don't fast on feast day yeah you don't fast during those times you don't fast at a celebration you know and this is a constant i mean i mean you're walking with a shoe i mean you're celebrating i mean i would be ecstatic. i'd be celebrating <laughs> yeah you know a lot of times too it almost seems that like the disciples didn't know what they had in front of them at the time and us or generations have gotten to learn how great it must have been to experience that, especially how bad the fallen the earth has, the world has fallen away from the father and son. I had a question. Go ahead. Why so do I'm they? I'm looking at my screen. My bad, guys. I'm, I've been no, looking at the scripture on here. So why do they lump tax collectors in with sinners? Like, like I mean, it's a job. Like. <laughs> I don't get, I mean, I don't like my tax collector either, but <laughs> I wouldn't and lump it, him in with sinners because of his job. <laughs> maybe it's because the way what they're doing with the money, you know, they're doing wicked things. The evil governments are doing bad things with this money. Versus, like profiting like, off of other people's, yeah. um, like, off sorrow. Their back, off, their, yeah. off, their, off their labor versus giving a tithe and giving on the kindness of their heart, trying to take care of them you know, trying to do right. They're forcing them. You're going to give me this money. It's like you walk yeah. into, um, we'll use church, for example. You walk into a church and you're like, if you want to be here, you're going to give me this money to come in here. That's not the way God has set things up. That's not a just government. Especially when you give people the free will to want to do good and you give them the right um, environment, they will usually want to help and do good and put money into the good things. But when you use taxes... People are forced into this certain way of giving money versus giving it to something that actually would be a good cause. They're controlling the situation of how the money flows. Right. Yeah. Did y'all know that Matthew's name was Levi and Yeshua changed his name? No. No. I didn't know that. Where's that at? And if the chosen is correct, then the same Matthew that's spoken of here is who wrote this book of Matthew that we all read here. But I don't know if they're correct. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know either. <laughs> It'd be interesting, you know. Yeah, definitely would be. They yeah, also portray be... him slightly on the spectrum, so <laughs> interesting. You know what, though? If that's, if that's correct, um, I kind of 
I kind of want to give props to him because um, I don't really see him like building himself up. You know what I mean? Like when people write about themselves, usually um, they say a lot of positive things. Like take uh, John the Baptist, for example. He always says, in whom Yeshua delights, you know? But I don't see that in here. So if he wrote it, yeah, if if, if, I, if that's correct, then I give him props. <laughs> it's kind of like um, in the Chosen series, um, there I think it was Luke is is was one of them who was who wrote one of the Gospels. I think it was Luke. Was like, or was it? It might have been John. Which one was like his brother or something, or close to his brother? James. Maybe. Yeah, yeah I think so. He was like, what, what he said in the in the series is he was like, it started off the um, episode is like he was um, getting everybody's story, like their recount of like how they met him and stuff like that. And Mary like sits down and she's like, you don't have to do this right now. And he was like, if who else would do it you know and like we should do it now while the um while we can still recall it fresh in our minds and stuff like that the one thing that that series does is it does kind of like give you an insight into like he had an intimate like relationship with these men and women that he interacted with like this is like his family like it's like us like just imagine like how they felt after he was gone like that was a whole nother level like not just because your messiah is gone but like your friend and your confidant is gone why do y'all do this to me and like get really quiet after i speak it's <laughs> like plays mental games with me. I can't handle. It. Like, what are they thinking? What happened? I actually liked the uh, the chosen series. Um, a <laughs> what would I think we're all watching? reflecting on what you just said. <laughs> like that would be really awful, right? I mean, wow. <laughs> yeah, you got the you got the first guy that's actually doing like some major miracles in a long time, other than mm-hmm. people you're reading about in the book, who mm-hmm. becomes your rabbi, who becomes your best friend, you know, like a brother, and then just you understand towards the end that all this bad stuff has to happen to him and then Oof, he's just—he's not with you anymore. Yeah, that would be very heartbreaking. I don't—I don't think I could like in any situation I've ever been through to that. To be honest, like even losing a family member, I think that's worse. You know, like losing. Like if I, if I was in their shoes, I, I probably would have been heartbroken for a while. <laughs> like I can like I don't know. It makes me think of so my husband and I lost um a really dear friend to us not long before coming to Torah um and like the thought of like how that made us feel like 
to have someone who's like has such a prominent place in your life you know that you interact with every day and it's just crazy like every time we've had we've had three children since he passed and every time and i mean we've also lost like cousins and sisters and stuff that we're really really close with and so every time i have a child after they've been gone it's like devastating to me because i'm like they'll never get to know them like that you know like to have those interactions with them and so i can imagine like the disciples and his brothers and stuff like thinking like no one will ever get what we got with him and yeah the deep thoughts i know sometimes we listen to these stories and we read these stories and there's like this disconnect because it's a story you're reading but like if you can take that step back put yourself in their like shoes and kind of like think about how you would be if that was your family and stuff and yes Yeshua was our messiah but he was a man that had people who loved him and thought of him more than just their messiah that was one of my favorite uh aspects of the show the chosen because it does it shows his uh, humanity mm. you know I think a lot of people fail to realize that he he did have a uh, I mean, he was a man yeah. he still had the same feelings that we would feel you know yeah. like we were talking about the other day uh, he cried when he knew Lazarus had to die mm-hmm. you know it made him weep but he knew that the father's will had to be done so that shows us even more so and sorry it's getting loud my old lady's pulling up uh he knew that uh the father's will be done and i think that's something that uh we need to put focus on as well you know things that might upset us um the father's will be done ultimately you know yeah. sometimes we lose sight of that because of our own fleshly feelings i ain't saying don't feel everybody's gonna have feelings it's just you know you have to keep that in the forefront yeah i want to expand on that a little bit (laughs) but like we're we're human we're all feeling oriented you know um but also lately, I've never, I've always always been into feelings and stuff, but lately it's been like the reality of life, the reality of Yeshua, the reality of our God. So, um, and it's like I said, like I always say, it's not always, I think um, modern day, I'll say it nicely, but a modern day, whatever, I don't know how to say it, but um, teaching is very, feeling oriented which loses tracks track of the base of um torah so in that we lose our focus and lose our our way a lot by feelings and which we should feel i'm not saying we shouldn't but i think it's we have to be sober-minded in all things so just a side note there um all right, we got to that part. Romans 12, 1 through 2. Anybody want to volunteer to read this one or no? All right, Romans 12, 1 through 2 reads. 
Therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may discern what is good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. For by grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Instead, think sensibly as God has distributed distributed a measure of faith to each one. Now, as we have many parts in, the bo- in one body, and all the parts do not have the same function, in the same way we have we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another according to the grace given to us we have different gifts if prophecy use use is use it according to the standard of one's faith if service in service if cert- teaching and teaching and extorting and extortion Exhortation, um, giving with great uh, generosity, leading with diligence, showing mercy with cheerfulness. Love must be without hypocrisy. Uh, detest evil, cling to what is good, show family affection to one another with brotherly love, outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lack diligence, be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in affliction, be patient in prayer, share with the saints and their needs, pursue hospitality, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep, be in agreement with one another, and do not be proud, instead associate with the humble do not be wise in your own estimation. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Try to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. If possible, on your part, live at peace with everyone. Friends, do not avenge yourselves. Instead, leave room for his wrath, for it is written, Vengeance belongs to me. I will pray, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For in doing, for in so doing, you will be heaping fiery coals on his head. Do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. Kill him with kindness. Kill him with kindness. Yeah, no, that's what I preach. I preach that Hi. Does anybody else have anything they want to bring up in here? I know somebody has something they want to say. Okay. All right. Hebrews four sixteen five through four two four sixteen to five fourteen. Does somebody else want to read, or am I reading again? I'll read, unless somebody else wants to. Okay. Um, yeah. So four sixteen to five fourteen. Through 514. I'm about to read, so just look at my wallet, babe. Okay. <clears throat> 416. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace 
that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Chapter 5. For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men and things pertaining to Elohim, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. Who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way, for that he himself also is compassed with infirmity? And by reason hereof he ought, as for the people, see also for himself to offer for sins. And no man takes this honor unto himself, he that is called Elohim, as was Aaron, so also Mashiach glorified not himself to be made a high priest. But he that said unto him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. And he says, and he says also in another place, You are a priest forever, and after the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong cry, crying and tears unto him, that was able to save him from death, and was heard is in that he feared. Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered, and being made perfect, he came the he came he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. How far do, you, do I read to fourteen? Yes, ma'am. Called of Elohim, a high priest after the order of Melchizedek of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing you are of dull hearing. For when the time ye ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you <clears throat> again, which be the first principles of the oracles of Elohim, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong food. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong food belongs to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses and exercise to discern both good and evil. He offered up prayers and appeals. So he was offering up sacrifices for his prayer. Anybody like to bring up anything? Um, there's so much in there. Take a while to get to that. Dad, go ahead. Am I breaking up? Nope. Okay. Um, the last part of that is talking about milk basically milk and meat yep. and, and uh it's the ones that are still being deceived by doctrines of men that are in the milk they're, they're just they're just not there yet and they're not our enemies you know they're our brothers and sisters and and now we've moved on to the meat and that's what they don't understand that's all it is so don't don't have any. <clears throat> just can't be ill towards them or anything, you know. Just try to explain in humility what you've learned. That's all we're expected to do. So, and even with that being said, I mean, even here we have milk and meat amongst the group. Some people yeah. I can go talk to about certain things in here. Some people I can't. They're not ready for that. That conversation. Yeah. So, Sanctification. It's so, a process. You have man. people that are that are way more advanced. Aren't we thankful for grace? Yes. <laughs> man. Yeah. Without grace, we'd be in some trouble. It's mercy, <laughs> man. His mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. Yeah. Hallelujah. But all right. Uh Mr. Dustin, would you like to pick up Hebrews 7, 1 through 20? 7, 1 through 20? Yes, sir. 
I can, I can. Hebrews 7. For this, Melchizedek, sovereign of Salem, priest of the Most High Elohim, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the sovereigns, and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, his name being translated, indeed, first, Sovereign of Righteousness, and then also Sovereign of of Salem, that is, Sovereign of Peace, without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but having been made like the Son of Elohim, remains a priest for all time. Now see how great this one was, to whom even the ancestor Abraham gave a tenth of the choicest booty. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) And, And truly, those who are of the sons of Levi, who received the priesthood, have a command to receive tithes from the people according to the Torah, that is, from their brothers. Though they have come, though they have come from the loins of Abraham, However, the one whose genealogy is not derived from the received tithes from Abraham, and blessed blessed the one who held the promises. And it is beyond all dispute that the lesser is blessed by the better. And here it is, men who die that receive tithes, but there there it is, someone of whom it is witness that he lives. And one might say that through Abraham, even Levi who received tithes, gave tithes. For he was still in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. True then, if perfection were through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people were given the Torah, why was there still need for another priest to arise according to the order of Melchizedek and not be called according to the order of Aaron? For the priesthood being changed, of necessity there takes place a change of the law also. For he of whom this is said belongs to another tribe from which no one had attended at the slaughter place. For it is perfectly clear that our master arose from Judah, a tribe about which Moshe never spoke of concerning priesthood. And this is clearer still, if another priest arises in the likeness of Melchizedek, who has become not according to the Torah of fleshly command, but according to the power of an endless life. For he does witness, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. For there is indeed a setting aside of the former command because of its weakness and unprofitableness. For the Torah perfected not, but the bringing in of a better expectation through which we draw near to Elohim. And it was not without an oath. Did you say stop at 20 or 21? Yes, sir, 20. It's good. All right. Well, that was- All right. Any hands up? I feel like everybody's just dying inside at this point. They're like, how much longer is this going to be? <laughs> <laughs> this is like my Wednesday night Bible study. Like, their eyes start to glaze over. They're like, how much farther are we going to go, Micah? How much farther are we going to go with this study? <laughs> well, I'll just keep reading scripture all night. Um, go ahead, Dad. Can you hear me? Okay. Yep. Um, in, in 712, it talks about. Um, a lot of people will bring this up, see that there was a change in the law. And it wasn't, if you, people would just keep reading, it wasn't the change of the law that was, nothing was changed. It was the change of the, where the priesthood because, would come out of. Yep. That was the change of the law. Because in the Mosaic law, it talks about the Levites. 
but it had uh, Melchizedek has no mother or father, meaning it's you. It's not handed down to you because you had to be born into the Levite priesthood. Just like John the Baptist, he was a Levite, but the temple was already corrupt. They wouldn't even let him go in there. So he stayed out in the wilderness, you know. It's crazy. He paved the path for the Melchizedek. Yeah. Yep. He still did his duty. He just didn't do it at the temple because they wouldn't let him in there. His dad yep. was Zachariah. He was a Levite. Um, Aaron just commented that the word change in uh, chapter 7, verse 12 should actually be translated to transfer. Oh, okay. Okay. Good one. Good That's one. good right there. Just like and in Aaron's, Romans. Man, Aaron's on it, man. Just like in Romans okay. 10, the, the end of the law for righteousness means goal. <laughs> the goal of the law for righteousness yep. <laughs> to everyone who believes. Yeah. You got there. I don't know if you can read that. I don't know if you can read that, but there is a, a little B next to change, and it says from Melchizedek to Aaron in my Bible. Ah, so, transferred. Transferred, transferred power. From, yeah. That's like it's a change of law when we have a new president come into place. Yeah, it's my thing. Stays the same, but it goes from one to the other. The same constitution, the same covenant. Yeah. Same law, different, different administration, same law. Yep. Amen. That's why that's why it says in John five forty six and five forty seven that had you believed Moses, you would have believed me, for he wrote of me. But it, since you believe not his writings, how shall you believe my words? You can't separate Moses and, and Yeshua. They're the same. They're preaching the same thing. Yeah, thank you so, very much for that, Aaron. So interesting that y'all bring up how you can relate this to our laws of our land, how it's supposed to be, how when the president changes, the laws aren't supposed to change. But what happens when you bring in socialism and communism? Each dictator changes rules to suit themselves. What do you see happening in the way that the mainstream um, Protestant teaches? Yeah. They want to change everything. Yeah, that's true. They want to give out free things that people don't earn. The yeah. all goes back to Babylon because the, the system of government with Babylon is communism. Nimrodism. Yep. <laughs> Nimrod was the first communist. It's Nimrodism. <laughs> yep. Okay. Well, I guess we'll move on to the next part. All right. I'll get. All right. So let's go ahead and read. So Hebrews eight. I love Hebrews eight. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in California. The sun's still up. So. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. That's right. Somebody right, so got Hebrews. birds going crazy over there. Let's hear it. All right, so Hebrews 8, 1 through 6. Now, the main point of what is being said is this. We have this kind of high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and the true tabernacle that was set up by the Lord and not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. Therefore, it was necessary for this priest also to have something to do to offer now, if we were on earth, he wouldn't be a priest since there, since there are those offering the gifts prescribed by the law. These, these 
uh, serve as a copy and shadow of the heavenly things as Moses was warned when he was when he was about to complete the tabernacle for God said be careful but you make everything according to the pattern that was shown to you on the mountain but Jesus has now obtained the superior ministry and to the degree the degree he is the mediator of a better covenant which has been legally and and it acted on a better promises so he's a part of the new covenant that's been given to us same same the same law just a new covenant so that's all okay that's pretty good draw on that one uh hebrews 9 1 through 28 wow this is some long chapters on this one man they weren't playing around all right hebrews 9 1 through 28 we're just gonna read the whole book in hebrews a whole lot we're gonna read the whole book of hebrews tonight guys i mean at this point we might as well do the whole book it's all about the priesthood that's why yep all right, I guess I'm going to just, I think this is the whole chapter, actually, I'm about to read. Let me see. Yep. Um, yeah. Okay. Now, the first covenant also had regulations for ministry and an earthly sanctuary for a tabernacle was set up. And in the first room, which is called the holy place, for the lampstand, the table, and the presentation loaves behind the second curtain the tabernacle was called the most holy place it contained the gold altar and incense and the ark of the covenant covered with gold on all sides in which there was gold a gold jar containing the manna Aaron's staff and that budded at in the tablets of the covenant the cherubim of glory were above it is overshadowing the mercy seat it is it is not possible to speak about these things in detail right now because they don't have it with these things well, i because they don't have it i have that by the way um with these things set up this way the priest entered the first room repeatedly performing their ministry but the high priest alone enters the second room and he does that once a year and never without blood with when, which he offers for himself and for the sins of the people committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit was making it clear that the way into the most holy place had not yet been disclosed while the first tabernacle was still standing. This is the symbol for the present time during which gifts and sacrifices are offered that cannot perfect the worship um, conscience. They are physical regulations and only deal with food, drink, and various washing imposed until the time of restitution, restoration. Sorry, But the Messiah has appeared high priest of good things that have come in the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands that is not of this creation. He entered the most holy place once and for all, not by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. But if the blood of goats and bulls and ashes of young cow sprinkling those who are defiled, sanctify the purification of the flesh. 
how much more with the blood of the Messiah, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Therefore, he is the mediator of the new covenant. So those who are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance because of because a death has taken place for redemption from the transgressions committed under the first covenant where a will where a will exists the death of the one who made it must be established for a will is valid only when people die since it, it since it is never in force while the one who made it is living that is why even the first covenant was inaugurated with blood for when every command had been proclaimed by Moses to all the people according to the law he took the blood of calves and goats along with water scarlet wool and hyssop leaves what it says and sprinkled the scroll itself and all the people saying this is the blood of the covenant that God has commanded for you in the same way he sprinkled the tabernacle and all the articles of worship with blood According to the law, almost everything is purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Therefore, it was necessary for the copies of things and the heavens to be purified with these sacrifices, but the heavenly things themselves to be purified with better sacrifices than these. For the Messiah did not enter a sanctuary made with hands, only a model of the true one. But into him, to heaven itself, so that he might now appear in the presence of God for us. He did not do this to offer himself many times as a high priest enters the sanctuary yearly with the blood of another. Otherwise, he would have to suffer many times since the foundation of the world. But now he has appeared one time at the end of the ages for the removal of sin by the sacrifice of himself and just as it is appointed for people to die once and after this judgment so also the messiah having been offered once to bear the sins of many with will appear a second time not to bear sin but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him i'm not even gonna try to act like i could break all that down right now <laughs> i got I got a lot of studying to do on that that section. There's so much. It takes years upon years to get to a point where you can break all that down. There's a lot in there. Go ahead, Mary. I just wanted to point out that it says to those that are called. That's all. Yep, to those that are called. I just want to say, thanks, Paul. <laughs> right. He like, is a what are you doing? Just Pharisees. rewriting Leviticus for the Hebrews? No, he's a Pharisee <laughs> of Pharisees, man. He is he's a very intelligent man. And in order to break him down, you have to spend a lot of time reading like you gotta read the through the Torah first. You gotta get it's grounded like, in the Torah. It's like giving a elementary school child the Odyssey. Yeah. <laughs> and being like, tell me about this. <laughs> It's like, a, it's like a kid in kindergarten saying, here, finish this college essay and have it back at my desk tomorrow. Mm -hmm. That's what it's like. Give me a point. thesis. They'll be like, I want it. 
<laughs> Wiz. Uh, all right. If anybody else has anything itself, I mean, say after that. Um, Hebrews 10, 1 through 39. Who wants to read that one? How many more we got, Micah? <laughs> She's like, when does it stop? No, like, I I love this, but my phone is like, I'm 17%. We got this one. Then we got Hebrews 13, 10 through 14, 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 7, 1, 1 Peter 1, 14 and 6 through 14 and 16, and then Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. That's it. It's not too much. I didn't more. know when you said Bible study that we were just going to study the whole Bible in one night. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's the Torah portions. <laughs> way it is. And that's what it's supposed to be a portion of you're supposed you're supposed to be getting a whole bunch of words like you're supposed to get a whole bunch of uh scripture in right here you're supposed to it's feeding you scripture and then your own time what you take with this is you take that Torah portion and you go do a whole bunch of studying with it so that's where a lot of that comes in like we do a little studying here and then you, you run with it and you go do a whole bunch more studying with it so right I'll read if nobody else wants to. Go ahead, Mary. <clears throat> For the Torah has a shadow of good things to come, not the image of the things and the annual cycle of those sacrifices, which they offered perpetually, which can never consecrate those who attend thereto. For then would they not have ceased to be offered because that the world worshipers once purged should have no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance, again, made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he came into the world, he said, In sacrifice and offering, you would have no delight, but a body have you prepared me. In ascending smoke offering and sacrifices for sin, you have had no pleasure. Then he said, I, lo, I come in the rolls of the sepher, it is written of me, to do your will, O Elohim. Above, when he said, sacrifice and offering and ascending smoke offerings and offering for sin, you would have no delight, neither had pleasure therein, which are offered by the priestly regimen. Then said he, lo, I come to do your will, O Elohim. He takes away the first that he might establish the second. By the which we will, uh, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the blood of Yeshua HaMashiach once for all. And every priest stands daily ministering and of offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of Elohim. From henceforth, expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering, he has perfected forever them that are sanctified. Whereof the Ruach HaKadosh also is a witness to us. For after that, he, he has said before, this is the covenant that I will cut with them. After those days, says Yahuwah, I will put my Torah into their hearts and in their minds will I write it. I love that verse. Mm. <laughs> and their sins and wicked deeds will I remember no more. Now where remission mm. of, the, of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Yeshua, by a new and living way, which he has consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh. Ooh. And having a high priest over the house of Elohim, 
Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to do good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remains no sacrifice for sins. But a certain fearful looking for judgment and fired indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. He that despises Moshe's law dies without mercy by two or three witnesses. Of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy, who has trodden under the foot of the son of Elohim, and he has counted the blood of the covenant, wherewith he has sanctified an unholy thing, and has done despite unto the Ruach of grace. For we know him that has said, Vengeance belongs unto me, I will recompense, says Yahuwah. And again, Yahuwah shall judge his, judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living Elohim. But call to remembrance the former days, in which, after you were illuminated, you endured a great fight of afflictions, partly while you were made a gazing stock both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly while you became companions of them that were, that were so used. For you had compassion of me and my bonds, and took joyful the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that you have in heaven a better and enduring substance. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience, and after ye have done the will of Elohim, you might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he shall come, will come, and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back into perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. That's man. so good. That man, is so, so good. good. Yeah. Oh, that man was walking in the fullness of the spirit, man. That he when I get yeah. when I get if, if I get to go step into the the kingdom, I'm gonna go find Paul. I'm like, just talk to me. Just yeah. explain yeah. the scripture to me, because you explain it so well. Like, yeah, yeah, he was tapped in. <laughs> that man was tapped in for real. Like he had, and the way he explained it, so it's like poetry. It's just such beautiful poetry. But he says it. I love it. Yeah, yeah. I noticed that he he does he says that Yahweh doesn't delight in the sin sacrifices, but he doesn't say that he doesn't delight in the offerings and the mm-hmm. you know the what is it like the burnt sacrifices and things like the ones yeah. where it's like a covenant meal with him like he doesn't want to have to forgive you for sins he doesn't want you to fail and falter as a parent it breaks my heart when my children go against what i've taught them like i don't want to have to scald them and stuff but because i do love them and want them to do right i have to correct them desires of beings rather than sacrifice even in this group mm-hmm. going outside of the parents realm even this group we want obedience rather than sacrifice you know to the father we, it breaks our heart to see anybody stumble or have a hard time in that you know it, it hurts to see your brothers and sisters go through hard times to be fallen and to struggle because we don't want that just like the father he doesn't want us to struggle he doesn't want us to go through that he doesn't want us to ask for forgiveness he wants you just to be obedient he's like just come on kids just listen to me 
I know what's good for you. Just listen to me. I'm taking care of you here. Like our kids. We just want them to listen to us. Mm -hmm. right. The million dollar question is, uh, what's the covenant? <laughs> God's law. God's law. God's law. It the never changed. Hebrews seven through um Hebrews uh eight, seven through thirteen explains it well. And it says that they call that an unholy thing, you know. That they're calling that an unholy thing, like, and that's what you have today is people not people saying that. Hold on, it's like stop it. <laughs> Dogs bite my hand. <laughs> um, you know, you have people today saying the law is just you know, it's just it's just done away with. You know, and it says here, Adonai will judge his people, his people. That's right. So we still have to be judged. Like we're gonna have to answer for how we behave. But Mary's got a hand up. Yep, go ahead, Mary. Okay, specifically on that uh verse that you mentioned, Janie, when it mm -hmm. says Yahuwah shall judge his people, I have a cross reference and it's Deuteronomy 32, 36. Mm. Mm. We know where that goes back into the Torah. Deuteronomy 32, 36 reads, For Yahuwah shall judge his people and sigh for his servants when he sees that their power is gone and that there is none shut up or left. What I was going to say before that um, on what your dad said, Micah. So when he says that they call something, sanctify and call something that's holy an unholy thing and it says they do that despite the spirit of grace they're running around preaching oh hyper grace hyper grace 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 but they're taking advantage of it and they're calling the father's laws unholy stepping the blood of the messiah yes hanging them up on 10, 26 31. my translation yeah. says they insult the spirit of grace right yeah. It's and, they, sad, and, and that's why we have to pray for these people. Absolutely. If you're a parent, like you understand, if your child continually disobeys you, like does the same exact thing over and over and over again, and you're like, I forgive you, like please don't do it again. Are you getting that Isaiah 520? And they just keep yeah. going. Like you get to a place as a parent where it's like, I'm done. Like we're not doing this no more. Yeah. That's kind of like the drunkard, the uh, they killed the drunkard in Clinton. They stoned, they took him out of town, and they stoned him, you know, because he was out of control. There was no stopping him, and he was causing more harm than doing good. And it was become a burden on everyone, and they had to put him away. And it's sad that even no one wants to do that. No one wants to do that at all. Like, you know we we want to see the good in everyone. You know how. I know plenty of us have heard people ask us as soon as we tell them that we keep Torah. They either ask us like, oh, are you sacrificing stuff in your backyard? Or they're like, oh, you're going to go stone your children? Interesting enough, we have a judicial system in our country. If my child breaks that law and he com they commit a capital punishment, I'm not going to go up there screaming and hollering and acting a fool being like, no, 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 don't take my baby, don't take my baby. If they do something wrong, they need to be disciplined for it. And that's what love is. Love is disciplining 
when it, even when it hurts. And it's a tough thing, but it has to be done. Sometimes love's the ugly thing. Sometimes love is ugly. If one of my children, you know, jack slaps the other one, am I going to be like, oh, sweetie, just forgive him. It's grace. No, like, they're, they're going to get in trouble. Like, there's a consequence. Like, you can't go around hurting people. Wait. Wake up, Micah. I'm here. <laughs> I just got to get a little yawn out. My eyes twitching. I don't know why. I guess I haven't had enough magnesium. It's twitching for real. Okay. You can sing a song with some donkeys. It might make it feel better. <laughs> Sorry, that's a Disney reference. <laughs> All right, Hebrews thirteen. Man, we we should just read the whole book of Hebrews at this point. <laughs> Hebrews thirteen ten through fourteen. It says. We have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle do not have the right to eat. For the sorry, for the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the most holy place by the high priest as a sin offering are burned outside the camp. Therefore, Jesus also suffered, suffered outside the gate so that he might sanctify the people by his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing his disgrace, for we do not have the enduring city here. Instead, we seek the one to come. Anybody want to speak up? Anybody want to speak up? Nope. So it's interesting that, so I'm trying to like formulate my thought. It's weird in my brain how it's working. Um, so it's talking about a sacrifice or, hold on, altar from which they're serving in a tap. Oh, so it goes back to Jimmy's question where he was asking about like the sacrifices that the priests weren't allowed to eat. Never mind. <laughs> We've already had that discussion. Okay, so a couple more real quick. Second um, Corinthians six fourteen. All right. This one's deep. <laughs> yeah. Second Corinthians you know, what? Second Corinthians. I mean, I'm sorry. Second Corinthians six fourteen. I'm going 14. to seven one. Says, do not be mismatched with unbelievers. For that, what for what partnership is there between righteous and lawlessness? Of the fellowship, does light have with darkness? What agreement does Christ have with Belial? Baal. Okay, Moses Belial. Okay. Of what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? And what agreement does God's sanctuary have with idols? For we are the sanctuary of the living God. As God said, I will dwell among them and walk among them. 
I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch any unclean thing, and I will welcome you. I will be a father to you, and you will be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord um, Almighty. Going to seven one. Therefore, dear friends, since we have such promises, let us cleanse ourselves from every impurity of flesh and spirit, completing our sanctification in the fear of God. Hmm. The sanctification process is walking out your salvation with fear and trembling. Yeah, and this is touching up on mixing the holy with the profane. Yep. It's, it's, it's not appealing to the Father at all. Nope. It, did it just talk about like a physical yes. um, <laughs> defiling unclean yes. thing? Like don't touch yes. it. What? Yes. How, <laughs> I feel like I which, which pastors have, have they removed this from their <laughs> That's straight from Torah. Yeah. Hey, if anybody wants to join Aaron's challenge on TikTok, there you go. Go read that one. I got I wanna read that one. Please be quiet. Ain't nothing other than Alright, let me go to the next one, then we've got one more after that real quick. Alright. First Peter fourteen through sixteen. As obedient children. Do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance, but as one who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all your conduct. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Amen. Yep, that's right. Be holy because I am holy. Do not profane his holiness. That's right. All right, guys, last one. Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. Ooh, it's highlighted in my Bible. <laughs> then I guess you read this one then. All right, ah. 10 through 16. <laughs> 10 through 18. 18. Finally, my brethren, be strong in Yahuwah and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of Elohim that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of Elohim, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with wrath, with truth, I'm sorry, and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the basura of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of Yeshua and the sword of the Ruach, which is the word of Elohim, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Ruach, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all the Kodeshim, the saints, those who are set apart. Amen. I like I that hat. Read it. Yeah, I, was I, gonna say, I don't know if you can read it, but that's what my hat says. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, so it talks about like you strap up your feet with, um, with peace. And Proverbs talks about like not being quick to run to evil. Right. 
I wonder how many other of these, like, you can probably find a Proverbs that, like, correlates with it. That'd be an interesting little homework assignment. All right, guys. Well, that was the end of the Torah portion. That was a lot in that Torah portion. Good, though, man. Yeah, it was, that, that was fully packed. That was I mean, definitely neat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. That was definitely neat for sure. It was so good. All right. Um, I guess I'll pray us out real quick, and then we can call it a night. Oh. All right. Dear Heavenly Father Yahweh, thank you for letting us be able to gather here tonight in your word. And Father, we pray that we all just walk away with some understanding and some clarity in the scripture and pray that you just, if we have any questions walking away here tonight, Father, that I pray that you show us and guide us to the right answer and do not let us be misled or led astray and don't let us lead anybody else astray. Father, we thank you for all these blessings that you bestowed upon us, Father. And thank you for letting us, this group gathered here tonight to learn about your word and father we pray that you bless this group and keep helping us improve and help us to learn your ways father and bring everyone back to the old ways before jeremiah and pray you just keep showing us each and every day we pray all these things to your son and our savior yeshua the high priest to our father yahweh the god abraham isaac and israel amen amen Amen. All right.